Hello and welcome to another edition of the First in Orange Broncos podcast. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. We're sitting here on a Thursday at the Broncos facility. The off-season training program has begun, Ryan. Uh, and are you in full-season mode? Are you in off-season mode? Or are you getting ready? Explain your mindset here going in. It's, it's too damn early. <laughs> I mean, April 2nd was the start date. It really has been. It hasn't been an off season with coaching change and quarterback trades and free agent signings and owners meetings and ownership stuff. So um, it's a soft landing. They're allowed to start two weeks earlier. They're going to get done a week earlier in June because they're going to start a week earlier because of the Hall of Fame game. If you can keep track of that, but um, you know. You get a, you talk to a couple guys, and it's it's about what you expect to hear with a new staff. Is you know it's a new standard. It's time to turn it around, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, one thing that I especially enjoyed from Philip Lindsay, and we'll touch on Phil later in the pod here. He was at the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame last night. He expected a Colorado Sports Hall. Of Fame. Oh, oh, Colorado. What did I say? Oklahoma. Oh, geez. Wow. Go to the penalty box. <laughs> okay, that's a uh, that's a mistake on my part. Uh, of course, uh, Colorado Sports Hall of Fame. Philip Lindsay named the Pro Sports Athlete of the Year in the state. He said he expected a '60s style camp. Ryan, that's that's sort of a, a nod to the old school, but but do you think there's something to that? Is there some old school mentality going on with with what uh, Vic Fangio's preaching? Well, I think that's that, yeah, pun intended here. That narrative is already getting old because <laughs> it's great for Philip to say that, but you know the rules prohibit old school camps. Right, so they can't so do that. Uh, I mean, the way Vic Fangio got to this point is by adapting to new schemes, new ways of doing things, new technologies, and he's already said, hey. You know, that Hall of Fame game, our frontline guys, he said, they're not going to play. So they're going to ease everybody into camp. Um, you're not going to see any Oklahoma drills. You know, if you want to give Philip a hat tip to one part of that, you know, do you see more 11 on 11 in camp? Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot more physical practices. Well, Ryan, when it comes to real newsy storylines, I think top of mind when we look at this voluntary uh, off-season program that has begun here in Dove Valley um, is the absence of Chris Harris, uh, something that is not entirely unexpected considering his contract situation, but I figure uh, now we'll take some time to break that down. You had some analysis in the Denver Post this week, uh, really looking at how big of a deal this is for the Broncos in the short term versus the long term, right? That's sort of how you framed it. Explain that a little bit. Well, Chris sort of plan, you know, hinted at this when I talked to him at the Pro Bowl. He said, you know, I talked about the offseason program. He goes, well, if, if I'm there. And at that point, I was like, do you really want to go there? He goes, not really. So, you know, I you know, sort of kept it to myself. But I kept it in the front of my mind. Kareem Jackson signs. Okay, I still thought Chris Harris was in their plans for the future because Kareem is probably going to end up being a safety at some point. Two days later, or a day later, they signed Bryce Callahan. To me, that was the the beginning of the end. I think for Chris, um, I I don't think it's a lock he gets an extension because their opinion of him in this building may not be as high as his opinion of his own play. That's the fact of life. You know, a new coach means new decisions, and um, I think Chris is making a calculated risk that may backfire because John always been pretty consistent throughout this off season. We're not going to address the extensions until after the draft, he said. So 
you know, right now we're not at the draft yet. You know, let's say they got to the first day of OTAs and, and Chris, Chris's camp still hadn't heard anything. Okay, then you can, you know, you know, uh, pick up your spurs and go home. Say I'm not happy about this. To do it now, uh, I'm told that the you know the front office wasn't, you know, wasn't ticked off or anything about this because they you know they had heard that this was a possibility, but. Um, you know, it's it, this is this is a deal until it becomes until it becomes no deal. That means the day he shows up. Okay, much of the pandering media in this market are going to say Chris Harris deserves a contract. Blah blah blah. As Clint Eastwood said in Unforgiven, deserve it ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, like so you know they they may feel like they just want him to play out that deal. If you're Chris, you have a great year, a healthy year, you can become Kareem Jackson who signed his third contract. Um, people are going to compare Harris' situation to Marius Thomas and Von Miller. Totally inaccurate. Shockingly. Um, both those players were coming off their rookie deals were looking for the first long-term deal of their career. They were not signed. That's why they did not show up. That's not a holdout. Holdout is you're under contract. So it's inaccurate to compare those situations because those are apples and oranges. So, but... If you're Vic Fangio, you've dealt with distractions your whole coaching career. Last year, Roquan Smith didn't sign. Yeah. For the, he missed the start at camp, so he had to deal with that. So, um, if I'm, you know, here's the other thing about Chris Harris: the Broncos have Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan under contract for multiple years. Do they view Chris Harris as a one or two corner? Let's say they view him strictly as a nickel. That changes the parameters of a contract. That may upset his camp even more. So this is this is a, a long way from resolution, even if Chris Harris shows up today, and this is Thursday the 4th. So uh, a lot of other things to you know, tackle once he arrives. So one final note on this Harris deal, Ryan. Let's spin forward and say that you're right. Maybe this is a staff that does not view him in the same light as Harris views himself or the media views him and the Broncos decide to part ways with him. Is it worth giving him up in terms of what the Broncos might get back in return? I thought that until I was reached out to a couple of people and one league insider said, you know, they got a fifth for Talib, maybe a little bit more for Chris. At that point, you just keep him. Um, plus, he's a tough guy to replace. Bryce Callahan, has an injury history himself, um, so I think it makes sense for the comp- you know for this team to be competitive this year to have Chris Harris on the field. Another guy who's going to be on the field, who's up for a contract extension after this year, if need be, is Philip Lindsay, coming off that wrist injury. You visited with him along with other media at the uh, Colorado Sports Hall of Fame ceremony Wednesday night. What was Philip's uh, update or not update on his rehab? Yeah, Phil, uh, in good spirits as always, if, if you've followed interviews with him, a guy who's, who's always very lively and doesn't mind talking with reporters. Uh, I think the first thing we noticed as we were waiting for him to come uh, down to the ballroom for that presentation for Pro uh, Sports Athlete of the Year um, was just sort of the fanfare of it all. Here's a guy, you know, dressed to the nines in a custom suit. He had ESPN cameras following him for a E60 documentary um, that Ryan, I may be starring in. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, they're, tell, they're, your, they're, tell your parents they're going to DVR it. <laughs> yeah, set the set the DVR, mom. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, supposed to air sometime in the week leading up to the draft. Uh, here's a guy who just bought a brand new Acura sports car, fancy new car, uh, and here he is getting this award. Uh, but in terms of the the football status of Phil, obviously a guy who fractured his wrist on Christmas Eve, um, is not 
at this point uh, going to come back uh, for the mini camp that comes later this month. John Elway opened the door for maybe OTAs in May. Uh, I asked the question to Phil, hey, do you think you're going to be back uh, in that time frame? But he kind of smiled and said, you know, at this point, I'm not going to put a date on it. Um, so it seems like Phil's progressing at a good rate, and he's very optimistic uh, about the new staff, as all these players are. We mentioned before, but in terms of, you know, what this means for the Broncos' future, Ryan, what I'd like to discuss on, on Lindsey, so much of his success is going to depend on how this Broncos offensive line looks, right? I think it's a credit to him that he was able to crack that thousand yard mark last year with all the injuries up front, with a change uh, at center from Paradis to McGovern. Uh, you wonder how that lack of Paradis next year is going to affect the run game. Phil was still effective at times late in the season before he got hurt, but there's kind of a changing of the guard there. And when you look at what Phil could do in the future, we've really got to assess what those big guys are going to do, right? I mean, if they thought they were going to miss Matt Paradis, they would try and bring him back. They right. didn't really make an effort to do that. They acknowledged that they're concerned about his his health. Um, you know, Phillips slogged his way to a thousand. It was a it was a crawling exercise there the last half of the season when the line basically just broke down. You can only sustain so much attrition before the performance suffers. But you know, if you sketch out a depth chart of this team right now, you can get a lot done before the draft. One part you can't is who's their center, who's their right guard. They are committed to Jawan James at right tackle, Garrett Bowles at left tackle, and for some reason Ron Leary at left guard. I think that's a gamble. Um, I think one guy that will start in week one is not on the roster yet. I think that would be a rookie, just a matter of what position. And also, what position do they feel Connor McGovern's better at? Remember, at right guard, he started the season there, but then lost his job for a half before injuries set in. So, And at center, he had problems with shotgun snaps. So do they draft a guy and say, okay, you're a right guard? Or they draft a guy saying, hey, you're going to be a rookie center? That transition will be sped up by a veteran quarterback. So a lot of unanswered questions there. But when you mentioned Lindsey, is his role is going to be interesting to see this year because he's probably, you know, they want to see what Royce Freeman can do. They want to be able to have him as be their, you know, smashing running back. Problem is this team never played with the lead. They couldn't take they couldn't take advantage of Freeman's yeah. running style. Um, so can they use Lindsey in a couple of different ways as well? So uh, be interesting to see how Rich Gangarello uses Lindsey and Freeman. So, Ryan, as we sort of look ahead uh, to the NFL draft, which, crazy enough, is, is going to be here before we know it at the end of the month. Seems like it's flown by already. Uh, you're going to take a look at maybe the player who is most coveted by a lot of Broncos fans who are, are following the draft and who's projected to go where and, and what the Broncos need uh, at inside linebacker with LSU's Devin White. Uh, I'd like to kind of preview that story a little bit, you know, so, something our readers can find in the Sunday Denver Post. Uh, what have you sort of learned in your research so far that that should maybe excite uh, or interest Broncos fans about White as possibly a guy who could land at number 10? Well, he's a tackle machine, uh, 286 tackles in three years, and he ran fast. That's probably what this team needs is some coverability at inside linebacker. I charted two games at Auburn versus Georgia. He was only in man coverage one time. Okay, he was a zone drop guy. He was a buzz to the flat guy. Okay, what is what do John Elway and his front office staff think of that? Can he make that transition to be able to track line or tight ends 20, 25 yards down the field? So I, I, I watched those games on YouTube figuring I was going to see a guy who was covering downfield. Hmm. Uh, it was the opposite. Um, that said, he is around the football a lot. 
Uh, and as Jared Stidham, the Auburn quarterback, told me at the Combine, he goes, you get to the line of scrimmage against LSU, you have to know where he is on every snap because he can blitz, he can run blitz, drop back into coverage, play the run. And what Bronco fans should be excited about when you watch him is he just – made easy work of tight ends trying to block him because of his power and his athleticism. So if they draft him at 10, if he's there, uh, I think it'd be an upgrade, but also interesting to see how they use him right away. A lot more detail about White and what might happen uh, for him to land in Denver, how the Broncos might use him. A lot of good insight from Ryan uh, coming in that paper. On that note, I'll sign off for both of us. Thanks for listening to the First and Orange podcast. Uh, We'll be bringing you a lot more offseason and draft coverage in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the Denver Post. Uh, Get that thing delivered to your front doorstep every morning, and we will see you next time.